0: Hey friends, Catlaw Hagquist here with a reminder that locally owned and artist operated bizbooks.net is still your best source for plays, acting books, scene books, teacher resources, and much, much more. And as you, like we, are clearly fans of Sabrina and YVR Screen Scene, we want to offer you 15% off your next purchase with the coupon code SCREENSCENE23. So come check us out at bizbooks.net. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social to learn what's new. And if you're in the Vancouver area, Watch out for one of our pop-up shops throughout the year to come say hello and shop in person. Remember, Screen Scene 23 promo code is only available at bizbooks.net for a limited time.
1: This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash live your screen scene podcast. Welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani-Firminger. Often when I write these introductions, especially when it's for someone I've been a fan of for many years. I'll close my eyes and search for a word that sums up what I have loved about their work. A word that captures that je ne sais quoi that makes them such a joy for me to watch. I did that earlier today with Alison Aurea I closed my eyes and I pondered. And almost immediately, one word landed in my mind's eye like a hammer. Bold. Alison Aurea's work is Bold. I don't think I've ever seen a performance of hers that isn't bold. And I have seen a lot of Alison Aurea performances, beginning with the campy, erotic, sci-fi short Earth Lickers, in which a group of goddesses descend from space with the mission of licking the whole world. Alison co-wrote that award-winning short, which is a personal favorite of mine. Whether she's playing a loving, if slightly overzealous, Tia on Julian the Phantoms, a family court judge with a firm hand on family law, a fastidious social worker on Riverdale, or a strong willed woman who ends up in a threesome with two superheroes on Peacemaker, Allison seems to lead with her whole heart. Her performances are unafraid and in the boldest font, which isn't to say she doesn't do quiet or understated. That's not what I mean by bold. She's and this is kind of harkens back to earth lickers. She's vibrating commitment to her characters. Even her nuanced work is 190% committed. Today, we're going to get to know this bold actress. Talk about that threesome with vigilante and peacemaker. Her thoughts on ghosts and superheroes, how she got here and where she's going to take us next. Let's boldly go. Alison Aurea welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast.
2: Oh, my goodness. What? A beautiful, delicious mm. intro. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Oh well, technically you're there. You're
2: here. You're not here. Virtual space.
1: Yes. Uh, Al- Allison is in LA right now. Um, so, but I just I couldn't wait any longer. I can <laughs> wait for her to get back up to the 604. So that's why we had to do this today, Allison. What is your reaction to my thesis statement besides calling it delicious, which honestly it's gonna go on my resume. Do, do you <laughs> see yourself as a bold actress? What do you think it means to be a bold actress?
2: I, I think that is such a, a beautiful sort of um, crowning term for how I approach life and how I approach my work. Um, I believe one of the things that I've always admired in people and especially the women in my family is that boldness. Um, mm there's something that really resonates deeply in, in leading from that space. Um, So I'm going to take that and put that, wear that, wear that with pride.
1: Awesome. I love that. I love that this podcast was able to do that for you. You know, it's so funny. I mentioned two big shows and there've been a lot of big shows, but two big shows that, you know, in my household, I've had the chance to watch both of them. And my kid and I, we watched Julian and the Phantoms. My husband and I, we watched Peacemaker. And, you know, we are all such big fans of, of that work. And those are like, that's been in the last few years, last couple of years, really. How do you characterize this particular moment in your career?
2: Oh, wow. You know, it's, if I think back when I started out and I wanted everything to happen so quickly mm-hmm. and back then and I really thought I was so ready when I was a young actor um, and I wasn't at all so I think the gift of Julie and the Phantoms really came at a time where I was starting to really step into um, owning my boldness owning um, the years that I would put into into my craft and then Peacemaker came along and that was just another sort of crowning moment like another level up initiation of okay now now this is available to you and really, I think a career is those milestones, those chapters and and that earning of experience and confidence that allows you to step into a new playing field. So I think both those um, both those opportunities came at a time when I was ready to receive them and do something with um you know, meaningful. So they've been gifts and really the catalysts of of huge change in my career.
1: Yeah. Peacemaker. Change maker, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, look, so talking about like what what it is that you wanted at the beginning of your career career versus what you want now. Because I know a lot of actors, they go into this career, they just want to work, they want to be seen, they want to work, and it almost doesn't matter, you know, what it is. And now, after having these two particular roles, which both of which we will talk a bit more in depth, but what do you want now? You know, and and what is success to you now, and how has it changed?
2: That's a beautiful question. Um, You know, I think part of me being in LA is a redefinition of what that looks like. Um, You know, for me, one of the most important things, um, acting has been a way for me to get to know myself more deeply. And um, yeah, I've been doing this a long time. And it's easy to, in anything, but it's easy to fall into a comfort zone. So I needed to get myself out of my Vancouver comfort zone and really sort of expand myself and put myself into a new pool. So success for me right now, what does that look like? Doing the things that scare me, pushing beyond my comfort zone, um, getting to work with creative individuals who are as passionate about the work as I am, and um, you know, pulling more of myself this whole life thing, you know, for me right now, what it means is, or what I'm looking at is if you peel away the stories of who you think you are and who you've thought yourself to be because of past experiences or um, what people have projected onto you, when you untangle that and you're left with who you really are, mm. that, that is so valuable. And that is so that, that authenticity that's really what I'm looking at peeling away. And if I can lead creatively from that space, that's success for me. Because I got nothing to hide, nothing to lose, and and the space to create from that's exciting, scary as fuck, but so stimulating.
1: Oh. Oh, there's, there's so much there. There's so much there. Um, okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about Amber and Peacemaker because you talk about something that is, you know, is scary and as fuck and exciting. Like I was watching you in these scenes screaming and, you know, yelling and, and also then in this, like this awesome, the threesome and in the bed and all of that. And I was like, this is And I remember the day, that I think James Gunn had tweeted out something that was like, wow, like Lenny and Allison did some incredible, you know, work today. Can't wait for everybody to see it. Something like that. And that was the first kind of indication, like, that was Allison working on with James Gunn. Okay. I'm actually, I'm going to take a step back. Cause I, mm-hmm. as a fan of earth lickers,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who continues to root for the goddesses from earth to this day, what kind of history did you have with, superheroes you know what what kind of you know what kind of of passion love history whatever did you bring to peacemaker
2: um so my my sort of uh cinematic um initiation was through horror and And some really um, messed up movies when I was a really young kid. And that was through circumstance. And so at a very young age, and I'm talking like seven, eight years old, I was introduced to trauma films. And so...
1: Wait, what? How were you seven years old and introduced to trauma films?
2: Well, okay. So... um, (laughs) (laughs)
1: You're going to be calling out some family member in this, right?
2: One hundred percent, (laughs) one hundred percent. So my parents uh, separated, divorced when I was a baby. And so at around, you know, whenever visitation started at like six, seven years old, um, every other Sunday I would spend with my dad. And he at the time was married to a woman who had two sort of like brothers in their early late teens, early 20s. And so we'd go to the video store and I would choose like a my little pony adventure, and then the rest of the movies would be Hellraiser, trauma films. and and so the the torture was I could watch my little pony movie after watching those other movies, <laughs> deeply fucking traumatizing, but also activated um something because those trauma films that I watched so many years ago became part of the um, the stylized voice of Earthlickers and, and sort of like, mm-hmm. the and that led to an obsession with Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, and then, you know, I've always been drawn to to that camp. The superhero stuff, I wasn't particularly um, into the superheroes, but uh, mythology and, and um, Epic storytelling was always part of, you know, my, my curiosity and my interest. So kind of makes sense that I would end up. And I didn't know that James Gunn's first film was a trauma film. Yes,
1: Your origin story no. is tied up with James Gunn. That is that you are meant to be, you're meant to be, you know, and so the, the cool thing about Peacemaker 2, though, and I call it a change maker is that it like, and I'm somebody I love comic books. I love superhero stuff. But peacemaker, the 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 writing, the acting, the how the story is told and and how it all unfolds, it is such a change maker in the realm of superheroes. It's so unlike anything else that we have seen specifically when it comes to superhero television so i'm just curious you know you're this you get this either this audition or you know this, this sides the script whatever what was your what was your initial response when when you crack open those sides
2: oh my god um my first was are you fucking kidding me okay. <laughs> and the first thing that that i noticed was you know they're like there's a huge line in bold saying nudity required, non-negotiable Do not submit if you're not open to it. So, you know, (laughs) at that point I'm like, okay, okay. All right. So what does this mean? And, and I had never said that I was never going to do nudity, but the caveat was it had to be important to, to the story. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting conversation because I do a lot of hallmark And it was a moment of weighing up, what is this gonna mean for for my career? Um, And also I wanted to be able to feel like it was an empowered move for this this character. And so that in of itself was a huge part of taking on the role and sort of understanding what it meant for me, my career and what this would, would mean. And so conversations were had with the agents, with my family and I felt great doing it. And so once we submitted, once I submitted the audition, you know, I had a lot of fun with the audition. And it was one of those ones that um, it was one or two takes. I, I, I just, I felt like I understood this character. And, uh, and then, yeah, you know, it, it took a little bit of time. But then when the offer came back, I couldn't believe that. I, I mean, like, as far as I know, my understanding was, everyone read for this character I mean so many people at least in Vancouver had had read for for this role everyone knew it you know um because it was you know an opportunity to work with James Gunn and John Cena and uh you know for whatever reason that fell into my lap and um really I'll always forever be grateful for that one opportunity and for saying yes to that because I was I was really st- scared i was really scared going into it and you know that first day on set the only thing okay i haven't i don't think i've said this in an interview so you're getting an exclusive (laughs) nice nice
1: nice Um, that's what happens when you when you uh you butter people up in the intro then they give you exclusives uh,
2: yeah uh, this is the exclusive (laughs) so i remember it was uh february and um the 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 scene the threesome scene was supposed to be shot later Um, sometime in March and we had this snowstorm and everything their shooting schedule changed so I'm out with friends having lunch and I get a phone call and this is a Saturday and they're like hey you know because of the storm our schedule has changed so we're going to start with the scene we're going to shoot in March we're doing that next week and I was like what now (laughs) what what is happening oh my god you know, my friend sees my like favorite. i needed some time to like emotionally work uh, up exactly. to it exactly and so i'm like god damn motherfucking snow so i'm like okay you know what this is because i had asked i, I had said okay to my angels to my guides to everyone in the freaking universe please don't let that scene be my first day on set i just want a little like warm-up day and so my first day on set ends up being that scene and i was just like you know what okay i just gotta own this and it's all good. And you know what, everyone was so incredibly respectful and and thank God that the position of an intimacy coordinator now exists because my first thought was, I can't believe actresses were put in this position for years before there was an intimacy, intimacy coordinator. I mean, I just felt so safe, so seen, so taken care of. Um, and, and so I, I was able to relax because the last thing I wanted just feel was like tense. Yeah. you.
1: So well, I just curious, like specifically for my listeners, cause that is a term that we've heard uh, a lot in, you know, in the, especially in the last few months where you have some of these very older actors being like, back in my day, we didn't have intimacy coordinators." Can you talk a little bit about what intimacy coordinators do and specifically how that one helped you on yeah. the day?
2: Absolutely. So happy to. So the intimacy coordinators role is to, ins- is to sort of liaise between, um, production and the actor and actors involved in the scene to make sure that um, everyone is feeling comfortable, safe, um, that if any boundaries or any no touch areas um, have been discussed, that that stays um, consistent throughout the takes and is really there as a support. So for me, the intimacy coordinator, because there was nudity, Um, we had a conversation Um, before we shot. And she sort of just walked me through what the day was, walked me through who was going to be on the actual set, how things were going to be set up. And so on the day when I arrived, she just made sure that I was feeling safe, that I was feeling okay, that I had everything that I needed. You know, I was obviously in the middle of the bed and getting out was not really convenient. So water snacks, whatever I needed, just hand it to me in bed while I'm, you know, sort of nestled in between these two strapping men. Um I mean as far as a
1: first day on the job goes, that's um it's not too bad, Alison.
2: Not too bad at all. It's not too bad at all. And so because because I felt so safe, I was really able to just sort of relax and lounge into that scene and feel like, you know, Queen. (laughs) It was beautiful.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Um I do want to talk a bit more about John Cena in a minute, but let's talk about Lenny though, who is like also a big part of that, not the threesome, uh, but you know.
2: <laughs> uh, no, Lenny, um, Lenny was amazing. Um, it was so fun to work with him. And I remember after one take, when we were just getting into the, the fight, he just looked at me and said, you're terrifying. And I said, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> um, you are. I I, thank you. I had, um, I have so much gratitude um, for 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 Lenny because, you know, he he came with um, so much experience in in the comedy world and so much confidence. And so, you know, um, I've always been an actor that sort of observes what's happening and sort of falls into the the general vibe. Of, of the scene and you know if there's anything that I need to tone down or amp up, um, I kind of read how the energy in the scene is going and sort of adjust. Mm. So when he came in and he was throwing down some little improvs and just created a little space for play and so he opened up this little passage and I tentatively stepped in and then all of a sudden we found our little groove and we found this rapport and we found this banter. And so that allowed us to escalate that fight um, to what it was. And then, uh, then that allowed us to have, you know, these little improv moments post the scene that were really fun and, and playful. And he was just so open to sort of dance in that space. And, and yeah, like I really credit him with cre- opening, opening the door and, and, and then I had the courage to walk through. So yeah, I had such, such fun time working with him.
1: No, we had a two-minute conversation, which I will actually pop into the uh the, the footnotes <laughs> of this episode on the red carpet at the UBCP Actra Awards, because you were nominated for your work yes. on Peacemaker. And I was I was kind of shocked when you you told you told you spoken a little bit about the improv that yeah. you you had the chance to do. And my reaction was you're on this like multi-million dollar set with James Gunn, and you have the opportunity to do some improv. And you you started to tell me a little bit, and I'd love for you to expand a bit more about james gunn as a director and the kind of the environment that that he created with his megaphone and
2: <laughs> it was so bizarre but so wonderful because there's this like booming voice and where is it coming from <laughs> uh it was great no um so you, we, we we do we do a run of the scene and you know it it's not like we're improving uh, the dialogue in the scene like after the scene we'd be able to run a few moments after and just play with it and I think that does a lot for the actors and the characters for us for me anyway as, as the actor it just gives me that sort of it primes the 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 machine the juices and gets the creative juices flowing and so just gives me a little bit more ownership and then it allows me to find the the voice and the point of view of the character a little more on set you can do that in theory you know when I'm preparing and doing all my notes and 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 that I don't know if this makes sense and just geeking out on on the work but in my (laughs) in my own preparation it's so insular it's so it's it's work that I do in solitude and, and I'm limited in my infinite imagination, but only sort of in my perspective of how I see it going, but the difference of being on set and actually doing it and having that live feedback with another actor. There's something that happens that you can't prepare for. And that was the joy of improv on set is I didn't, I'd never met Lenny before. I didn't know how, um, you know, how characters would engage and what that marriage would look like on screen. And all of a sudden, this this sort of energetic, thing happened and this banner and this like ripping each other to shreds (sighs) Uh, and we both delighted in it and it was so fucked up it's so funny um and it was yeah it was uncensored and and that James gave us permission to explore that um was such a gift because then in my mind what it meant for me as an actor was like okay Here is a big deal set. You know, this is probably one of the bigger budget shows that have come to Vancouver. These are some of the biggest names that have come to work in Vancouver. And I'm giving this opportunity and I'm standing my own and I'm throwing down something. This is good. This is like that next level confidence that gives me that sort of permission to go, okay, yes, I have something to offer. And no one is going to do that for you. That's something that you have to earn and own for yourself. And so that was a big catalyst for sort of like this, this sort of level up in confidence in my work and boldness. Um, yeah. Oh.
1: I mean, I, I'm a fan of so many of your performances, but definitely that is, that is like up there. And I can't even imagine anybody else. I know that you said a lot of people read for it, but I can't imagine anybody else, but Alison Aurea in that particular role um be, before we move on because i do if my daughter would mariana would not be happy with me if we do not talk about tia victoria um but i do want to talk about john cena a bit you know because this is like honestly one of the most generous human beings that i've ever heard of i mean following his make a wish stuff he's done a um, ukrainian canadian he's done some incredible incredible uh, charity work uh, for you know ukrainian refugees um but you know this was my first time seeing him as you know a uh, number one i mean for a lot of us first time seeing him as a number one you know on a on this this kind of series tv series what kind of qualities you know and yet he's he's a superstar you know he's he's he is a superstar with these giant arms and infinite talent. Well, what kind of qualities, you know, did he bring to his role as number one on the call sheet? Because I know that that's a role that has a lot of responsibility to, you know, to the people that, you know, he's acting alongside.
2: 100 percent. And, you know, it's always it's it's for me fascinating to observe the number one on the show because it is such incredible pressure. It is. So much is writing writing. And so many people are looking to you to lead. I mean, this is what I observed. I haven't had this experience yet, but yet. yes. Uh, my observation is, you know, um, the qualities needed to be able to wear that that responsibility, that crown as a number one. It's it's crazy the expectations, and I I, I don't think many people are really aware of of the, res- the, the magnitude of the responsibility and the day-to-day, you know, you're on set, yes, accommodations are gonna be made to get you in and out as, as quickly as possible, but it's long days and it's a long run and it's lots of words and it's lots of scenes and it's lots of, you know, lots of lots lotses. Um, and so it takes a really special person to be able to do that with grace, with humor, with presence, um, with generosity, and John Cena was all of those things and playful. And um, I can't speak highly enough of just how grounded and what a space he created. I mean, the first time I'm meeting him and we're doing a scene, I'm half naked. And mm-hmm. then I felt so respected and so safe. And, you know, it's it's just a testament to the kind of the level of human that he is. And, you know, if anyone follows him on, on Twitter or is aware of his charitable works, you're just like, this is a really good guy and he is he's a great guy he's super funny incredibly smart holy shit and you know plays a freaking piano like a like a prodigy. like what i have no <laughs> idea like like, cool. like honestly he, at some point i'm like is he even a human because he embodies such excellence you know he's yeah he is a man of excellence really
1: mm. okay we're gonna move on To uh, to Tia Victoria, Um, it was really kind of a joy to not just watch because I watched the show with my daughter, Uh, so it was a joy to watch with my my daughter to see and you know to see like all this young talent and then all this Vancouver talent, you know, but also to see you. Um, on social media, you know, uh, and, and the kind of feedback that you were getting from fans, and the chance that you actually, the the opportunity you got to be a Tia Victoria was it, you know, um, Anti Victoria, you know, like you you actually got to, you know, embody, uh, you know, Latina Auntie, you know, is it? Tell me about what this role, what this role meant to you, you know, and and because I I when I watched you in this role. I mean, granted, there were there was there were ghosts, there's music, there's grief, like there's all these things that are part of it and family, but also saw a lot of joy in your performance as well. Like, am I right in observing
2: that? Absolutely. Tia Victoria for me. Oh, my gosh. It's it's, you know, like every like so many actors, um, you know, you do a season and 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 you're always hoping for a second one. And sometimes it doesn't work out, you know. Um, and I've had a few of those experiences in my career, but Julie and the Phantoms, um, it's its so bittersweet because I was looking forward to so much more of that story and so much more of Dia because that archetype of that auntie, I know that woman, I grew up with that woman. I feel I am that woman to so many of my honorary nieces and nephews. Um, And it was, it really was so joyful. Um, I was blown away by the caliber of talent that was pulled together to create that cast and that crew. I mean, every element of that show was just breathtaking. And of course it's Kenny Ortega, his vision, for the show
1: I mean and, I grew up in the 80s and 90s like that like Kenny Ortega's like you know that the his imprint on you know the popular culture and how we move and stuff like it's undeniable
2: I know honestly when I had my call back, he was in the room and it took everything in me to not fangirl because Paula Abdul was my hero. He choreographed so many of her dance videos that I knew off by heart. Okay, (laughs)
1: let's name check. Did you you do straight up?
2: Straight up, (laughs) of course.
1: cold cold hearted snake
2: cold hearted snake
1: girl you're <laughs> i i remember the day that we went to the woolco this is how old i am. went to the woolco in quebec and i got the little like the cassette tape and stuff and i was like <laughs> learning all, i was a terrible dancer but I, I just i loved all the man
2: i love those videos like oh, oh my god i pine for those videos i used, i remember those cassettes and i had my favorite thing was to have my Walkman and be reading like the 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 lyrics and the little fold out. Yeah,
1: fold it try and then try to fold it back yeah, in. I so know. that's the same. That was always such a man. That was those were the, the these kids today do not oh know. <laughs> no, they got no idea. <laughs> try it to get the fold it back up and get it back into the cassette yeah, slot. Yeah, but yeah.
2: wow, yeah. so you a pen to like get it back
1: in yes oh man brutal so you held back though you did not like
2: I, I did not like but inside I mean just oh god I was like oh my god it's gonna hurt I mean dirty dancing don't even get me started
1: right
2: yeah choreographed all of those iconic dances I mean the man created dirty dancing anyway so it's going in stepping into that Ooh. room um was so magic and and I remember he stood up and was like, we're so delighted to meet you. And in my mind, I'm like, you've got no idea how much. <sighs> like Thank you. What is happening in my life right now? Um, but that whole experience was was so joyful. And that character really um, was the first time I really got to, uh, at that level anyway, engage with a new audience and the fans were just so loving and supportive and um, responded to the character so beautifully. And, you know, I'm just so, like, it's been a couple of years now since the show came out, but those fans are still um, so supportive and show so much love and uh, they're just, it's wonderful.
1: OK, so let's speak to speak to these fans. And So I just want to say I live very close to West Broadway, Kit Solano, Hollywood Theater. Just last year had it on their big marquee, like save Julie and the Phantoms. I took a photo and I sent it to um, Marcy T House and yeah, <laughs> now I have your info. I'll send it to you, too. Uh, but, you know, the reason for the cancellation is still a huge mystery for fans um, of the show. Uh, and, you know, I'm just going to say a lot of what Netflix keeps canceling all the shows that I love, especially those filmed in Vancouver. I don't know. I'm talking like this. But anyway, stop canceling shows that we love, especially those that are filmed here. H. Anyway, <laughs> well, there's still a big contingent of fans online, you know, that are using that Save Julie in the Phantoms hashtag. Well, what do you what do you say to them?
2: I mean, I have no inside information. I wish, you know, I could peer into a crystal ball. But listen, I am a firm believer that anything is possible in life. Mm. Anything is possible. so, um, I believe that the world still needs more Julian phantoms. Mm. That's my two cents. And so, you know, if there is any way, hope, love, I mean, that's that's part of the message of the show, right? Yeah. so who knows? Um, but yeah, the the reason for the cancellation, you know, I, I think the timing was really unfortunate. The world was heading into a pandemic, and it Who knows why the timing was so, but it wasn't meant to be at that time. But who knows? Who knows what what could happen or what kind of reiteration, you know, reimagining of the show? I don't know. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's so beautiful that it happened.
1: Yeah, it really is. I, I, can't, I, I can't move on though without asking this because, you know, a lot, a lot of, but I remember of Tia Victoria is, you know, she doesn't believe that there's ghosts and then she totally believes that there's ghosts. How how are you? and How do you and Tia Victoria compare on the ghost issue?
2: Oh, 100%, 100% ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen them. I know they're there. Um, yeah. I've always, I think it's also part of the Latin culture or at least, mm-hmm. you know, um there is uh a reverence for the spiritual realm and so i grew up with folklore around the the countryside where my family is from and the ghost stories and when i was a little girl i remember visiting that old house and having sort of my first experiences of things that go bump in the night mm-hmm. and um and so i have a lot of respect um uh but one thing my mom always taught me is you gotta have boundaries with with these ghosts. If they're not welcome, they're not welcome. So you give them their marching orders if they're being bothersome.
1: Yeah, you are not here for pushy ghosts. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, how do we get here? I like yes. paint p- a picture of of who you were as a kid. Like what kind of a kid were you? And what were some kind of hints that were present in your childhood? that you'd end up in in this incredible world in life you've created for yourself, where you get to have threesomes with superheroes and
2: <laughs> go ghost hunting That's a Tia. What a story. Um, so if you ask my mom, she would tell you that uh, the day I was born, she held me in her arms and she heard a voice say, this little girl is going to be an actress. And so somewhere, somewhere in my childhood, I heard that and adopted that but as a little child as a child i would watch (laughs) shirley temple movies and i would be fascinated by what she was doing and you know try to mimic what it was a love-hate relationship because i i wanted to do what she was doing so badly um But I knew all the songs and all the dances. And so I was a child that was constantly performing. Um, I was a child that was constantly daydreaming, had a very big imagination. Can I ask, because
1: I I feel like this might be you. Were you the kid that was putting on shows and making all the the other kids be in the shows and bringing all the grownups to watch?
2: 100%. That (laughs) was me. Every single party. I would grab all the kids, I'd direct a show, choreograph it, and then get all the adults to come and watch us. And, you know, this continued, this continued. So whether it was, you know, parties or in my neighborhood, I was organizing Christmas pageants, talent shows, any event, even Halloween. I mean, I grew up in Australia. We don't really do Halloween, but I was the child that would put up posters in the neighborhood reminding all the neighbors that it's Halloween and we're going to come around asking for candy. So you better have candy. And they had candy, right? Some of them did, you know. Some of them didn't. I tried. Uh,
1: (laughs) What's an Allison Araya role? Like, what needs to be present in a role to
2: get you really
1: excited? To get
2: me really excited? um, Oh, gosh. You know. Something that scares me um if my first impulse is like "Ooh, wow I don't let myself do that in real life then I know it's something that I need to do
1: yeah
2: um which you know kind of back to Peacemaker was one of the things that really drew me to her was here was this woman who outwardly wore her rage and that's not something that I do in life And so that was really scary, but I found so much liberation in that. So now if a role has any element that I'm like, Ooh, you know, that's something that I wouldn't want. That isn't a behavior that I'd want to have in my day-to-day life. I know it's something that inside is repressed so I can give it voice or give it movement, give it energy, give it release in the work.
1: Mm. That sounds so cathartic.
2: It is cathartic. It is cathartic in many ways. And I think, you know, it's, I do a lot of work on myself to be able to hold space, to be able to go to those places in a healthy way. Because, you know, I, I've been doing this enough, and I've been to worked with lots of different teachers and and dabbled in lots of different method methodologies. And um, there are some approaches to the work that leave the actor raw and exposed and hurt without tools to be able to take care of themselves. Hmm. I think it's really important as actors to take care of your emotional and spiritual hygiene and be able to go to places that are human and vulnerable and ugly and and disturbing, but have the tools to be able to take care of yourself. And so, because I continue to pursue that process, I'm not, um, there isn't a space creatively yet that I found that I'm like, no, I'm not going to go there because I feel like I have enough, enough tools to be able to visit humanity in many different pools without any sort of self-harm. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it also, it sounds kind of scary for for the people who, you know, for actors who don't have, you know, that, what did you call it? Good, good psychic hygiene. You know, that, that it could actually be a really could cause a lot of harm if they don't have that tools. And like, how do they, How do they get that tools? And maybe that's one of the reasons that there's so many mental health issues also, you know, in our industry as well. Like I'm wondering like what your thoughts are on that.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think that's a personal journey as well. You know, um, there's always I mean, one of my first acting teachers said this, and and I really rejected the concept, but with time, I've found a lot of truth in the, in the statement she said you know every actor is seeking validation in some form and and in many ways i think that's true and there's a part of that validation that's being sought that speaks to a deeper wounding and it doesn't have to be necessarily hugely traumatizing but there is that void and i think as human beings we carry that 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 void that we try to fill with many different things throughout the chapters of our lives. Um, for a young actor coming into this and maybe catharting their way through their life in their work can be very confusing and and can feel like it is that catharsis is the release and speaks to elevating text or, or actually doing the work. But I think it can be confused. And, and so, you know, that's something that I've learned. Mm. And- only, that's something that you can only learn through experience. And it comes with, you know, yeah,
1: with that trial and error. Um, right. Like you shouldn't have to suffer in no. order to, to deliver a good performance or to really access a character.
2: That's, that's exactly it. And I've seen and experienced what it feels like to have been pushed to that space of needing to suffer. And it's, it's I mean, life has suffered enough. Um, for me now at this point, whether I'm playing an Amber or whether I'm playing a Dia, the, the fountain has to be joy. It has to be joy because at the end of it, if there isn't that, whew, that was so fucking scary, but so fun then then something's been missed because that's why it's that joy
1: of all the roles you've played and i mean all of the roles you've played which one is closest to who you are
2: i think i live in a piece of every single one of the characters i've played but the closest Mm. Oof, that's hard as a gemini i can't answer that because (laughs) i'm like I'm a different person every minute, um, but yeah, a, a character that sort of—I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot, a lot of me in in Thea Victoria, definitely. I think there's a lot of me in Amber, um, but different sides of the spectrum. But you know, and there's so much of me in Goddess X and in Um Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, <they're> not- <laughs> i uh, sorry. I didn't realize you were a Gemini when I asked that question. Uh, <laughs> I, some of the people that I love most in the world are Gemini. So the
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Are you ready to play some favorite things?
2: Beth, let's do it.
1: Yeah. So favorite things, not actually a game and there's no prize except, you know, my continuing love and adoration basically i'm gonna ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing and then you you kind of answer not the first word that comes to your mind but you know uh because i've had it's not a word association game but you know like something that that because i've I've had people who are like i'd be like superhero they'd be like ah batman like really batman they're like it was just the first one that came to mind so don't do that it's got to be something you actually like okay Mm -hmm. okay Favorite activity to do in your trailer?
2: Sleep. I love to nap in my trailer, turn the lights down low and take a good nap. That's my favorite thing to do.
1: And are you actually able to to nap? Like I can't I can't nap. I can't I need to have a body pillow. I need to have a you know humidifier like a podcast like it's just it's a cat on me. You know, you're able to just fall asleep easily.
2: I, I am a wonderful napper. It's one of my, my very many skills, but I, I'm, I can nap just about anywhere, anytime.
1: Amazing. I'm actually a little little jealous, a little jealous. Okay. Favorite midnight snack.
2: Midnight snack.
1: I love how much thought you're putting into this too. Like, look.
2: (laughs) it depends. Like, you know, sometimes it's like a greek yogurt and other times it's like a piece of really good cheese or sometimes it could be like a little chocolate
1: yeah yeah okay some but something that's gotta like to hit the spot and satisfy
2: it's got yeah it's gonna have a richness to it it has to be rich and satisfying
1: okay okay bold like you okay oh I'm, i'm learning a lot i love these answers okay Favorite song to blast when you are alone in your car?
2: Oh, my gosh. This is tough. Again, as a Gemini, it depends on my mood. But I got to say. Tear us apart in excess. uh, Oh, every every time.
1: (laughs) Great answer. Great answer. Man, that's actually that would be a great karaoke song, too. I should add that to my little note I have on my phone because do it. You might you seem like a person who would love karaoke. You're a karaoke person.
2: I love karaoke. I am. I am. I'm so not gifted when it comes to singing, but I have so much passion. That's all you need for karaoke is passion. Exactly. exactly. But I sound fucking awful.
1: I'm sure you don't. And karaoke is about passion anyway. It's not about, you know, pitch and tone. What is your karaoke song?
2: Oh, um, living on a prayer is the number one.
1: Dude, (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Wow. Seriously. Learning a lot. Okay. Favorite Vancouver shot series past or present that you haven't appeared in yet.
2: Ooh, oh man. Ooh, so tough. Um, really wanted to be on the killing. Really wanted to be on Bates Motel. Oh the L word. Um yeah. You would have been perfect on all of those. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay, good answers. Good answers. It's kind of an unfair one, but we'll we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. Favorite superhero?
2: Oof. I gotta go with my OG, Wonder Woman. Yeah. 100%. Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah. Did
2: you watch the Linda Carter one and of then she would do I the spinning? The I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's not Wonder Woman unless she spins. Come on, people. No one,
1: and I, I no one, no one
2: spins like Wonder Woman.
1: And she's the real deal too, eh? Linda Carter,
2: like. Honestly, like I was just, I actually, she just tweeted this morning. Um, Just an angel, just an angel. And I don't know what it was about her Wonder Woman in particular. She brought such femininity and badassery to that role. It was just, for me, the embodiment, I've never said this, but the embodiment of the divine feminine.
1: <sighs> really?
2: Yeah. Intelligence, beauty, and Sexy badassery.
1: That's what I see when I look at you, Allison. Sexy badassery. (laughs) I'm a fan. You know what? Like... Earth liquors is definitely one of my favorite short films like of all time. And I know that there was like a big movement too to like, you know, make it into like, give it the
2: big screen treatment that it deserves. Like, is there still a little little bit of oh, we're still working on it? We're still working on it. We have the script and, um, you know, it's it continues to evolve. Um, I think it's just one of those projects that. Just needs a visionary uh, producer to understand what it is that we're doing. You know, I I heard rumors that there's a remake of Barbarella in the works, and um, I'm like, well, the, obviously the the world is pining for some galactic goddess love energy, okay. and I think it's something. Um, for me, that is the celebration of all the campy influences that you know have really sort of shaped my interest in sci-fi. But you know, I talk about the divine feminine, I talk about this, you know evolution revolution of of femininity, and that's part of, you know, celebrating a new sort of sacred sexuality that I want to explore in storytelling, and I think sci-fi and satire is such a genius medium to be able to have these conversations without, that and make them entertaining without it seeming like you're preaching at anyone, so yeah, I think the world really does need some earth licking, and we're here to deliver. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, let me know if there's anything that I can do to help make this happen. I am standing by because <laughs> I want you to lick the world, Allison. Well, thank you. <laughs> what do you think, little Allison, you know, organizing all the shows and the Halloween trick or treating in Australia and all that? What do you think that she would think of where you are right now and the life that you have built for yourself?
2: I think she would be pretty satisfied, but I also think she's pushy and bossy and she'd be like, girl, you're just getting started. So give me more. Um, So I, I think her enthusiasm and love is definitely there. And I think there's a lot of appreciation for how far I've come. But, you know, when I look at that little girl, I'm like, "Okay, you had big, big dreams and I'm just stepping into that space now. So we're about to take off.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I wonder if, if you feel the same way as I do. And I I suspect that you do, but I feel a huge responsibility to 10 year old me, 11 year old me, you know, like I, I want to make her, I I constantly thinking about like, if she would be proud knowing that I am, she, you know, and, and she is me, but I'm like, I like, how would she feel about this? Like, would she, would she, would she be as stoked, you know, as, as I am? And if she's, if I'm not making her stoked,
2: then what am I doing? Mm-hmm. No, I feel the same way. And I think it's beautiful. It's, it's a nice sort of check-in part of me to be able to look back at, at that young child. And, and for me, it's, am I living up to your dreams? Am I living up to, you know, the adventures that, that you envision? Cause I think as we get older, it's so easy and I speak for myself only to to become cynical and a little jaded and a little skeptical of the world. And years turn into decades and you carry that skepticism and that cynicism and it just starts to harden you in places that were the, the openings to your imagination and your hopes and dreams. And so I never wanna let that hardening rob that young Alison of all of her dreams and creativity. And if it means, you know, stepping way outside of my comfort zone to resuscitate those dreams, I will continue to do that because yeah, I want to make that little girl proud and I want her to have the life that she she dreamed of.
1: Sorry. It just remembered the fact that she was also watching my little pony and trauma
2: films at the same time. (laughs)
1: She might have needed an intervention, but hey, it kind of laid the foundation for where we are today, which is just you are an absolute delight. Yes, I'm so glad I finally got you on the podcast. Allison Area, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. This has been such a joy.
1: Such a I mean, you are you are joy personified. Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you, tap into that joy, follow your earth-licking journey? <laughs> on but the social media not in real life that's creepy
2: yes <laughs> uh on the social media is la alice on twitter and instagram and uh, you know I regularly post on those two uh mediums and i guess next up for me you can catch me on lucky hank which comes out march 19th on uh, amc bob odenkirk's new show um and uh I and then is yes, wait and see
1: Wait and see. Wow. Okay. I cannot wait to get you back. And we're going to meet up in the studio and I'm going to show you all of my, my nerd shit that I had growing up, but that's now in a glass case because I can do that. I'm a grown up. All right. Thank you. Thank you listeners. Please like subscribe, leave us a review. If you're so inclined, they help us find new listeners and we can keep having fucking rad conversations like the one that we had with Allison today. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene and at Sabrina The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. Sabrina Rani Mera Furminger, I'm the only one to blame. And it is edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger. Double A for the original music core, not Furminger. Dane, you are a Furminger to us. Why We're screen scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And
0: hot. Hi friends, Catlaw Law here, and I'm excited to introduce you to thedramaclass.com. Thedramaclass.com provides online workshops and classes designed to provide inspiration and instruction in the sometimes overlooked areas you need to be successful in your acting career. Things that they don't often cover in studio classes. Things like tax prep for actors, the power of costume in getting a job, what to do if you primarily work on camera and find yourself with a voiceover audition, what you can do to adjust your performance to the camera lens is being used and so much more maximize your opportunities by filling in the gaps that will make your craft your career visit us at thedramaclass.com sign up for our newsletter follow us on social and explore what will take you to the next level